welcome to the Full Capacity Living Podcast. I'm Karen Bush, your host, and this week, get ready for a mind-blowing, comprehensive conversation about all things fasting with my guest today, Amal Ismail, functional medicine practitioner out of London with a background that includes a master's in pharmacy. If you have ever been intrigued with fasting and don't really know how to start, if you've fasted before and want to expand, or if you've done this for a long time and want to dig into the research and details on fasting and how it affects your body, please take a listen. Today, we dig into the bio-individuality of fasting, the different types of fasting, some historical information on the ancient practice of fasting, how to start and expand your fasting, autophagy fasting, how to break a fast, benefits to the gut microbiome and longevity with fasting, exercise and fasting, research, and many things in between. So Amal is full of truly evidence-based information. And the list of links in the show notes is full of noteworthy reading and exploration for you. So make sure to check out those links. And as always, thanks for listening to the Full Capacity Living Podcast, sponsored by Karen Bush, Functional Medicine Health Coaching. If you enjoy the show, please head over to the Apple Podcast Show rate and review the show on the show page. This helps really to get the word out and share the episode via social media if you want and tag us. Um, we appreciate the support. Without further delay, here we go. All right, we are on and welcome back Amal. Thank you for being here. Um, you were last with me on the podcast in March and that was a really great um, interview, but also you talked a little bit about your background in functional medicine. So for anybody listening who wants to know a little bit about um, my guest today, Amal, go back and look at that episode four um, early on, uh, March 15th. <laughs> so, <laughs> so nice to be great. back. Can't yeah. believe how quickly time passes. Oh, that is definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And today our topic is going to be fasting, which I think is really um, fascinating for a lot of people. It's become kind of this new trend, but you know, it's, it's, it's based in ancient tradition. Like fasting has been around forever, particularly in religious um, experiences like Ramadan and Christianity and Buddhism and Hindu. And I think there was actually, as I was doing some research around this, I found a book in 1911 written by Upton Sinclair about fasting, which he got a lot of of feedback, not so positive about, um, but there's so many new ways of thinking about it. Um, good ways, not so good ways. So we're going to dig into all of that. And, and I want to start out by, by sort of asking you, you know, in general for people who don't understand what fasting is and fasting for health reasons, um, kind of give me a synopsis of what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a great intro, Karen, actually. I, the, the reason I kind of dove into the science of fasting because I believe that there's a lot for us to learn um, from traditional cultures because that our bodies were not designed to consume food in such a prolonged period of time. You know, we're not supposed to graze continuously. We're not supposed to have such big eating windows. We're meant to have breaks so that body can repair. 
So it was interesting to dive into it because I think that fasting probably a couple of years ago became this really hot topic and everybody was doing the intermittent fast, the famous intermittent fast of 16, right. eight, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and, you know, some people were getting results and some people weren't getting results. And I think it goes back to the foundations of functional medicine, which is you're an N of one. It's all about bio-individuality and yeah. that all these um, tools that you can use in order to optimize your health need to be individualized to you. Right. And at the same time, um, you need to build up um, to the utility of those tools, right? So if somebody is, for example, you know, uh, really obese with a lot of insulin resistance, uh, cannot just jump into fasting Right. straight away because that could be very dangerous because you can get into um, situations where your blood sugar drops and um, and that's not that's not a good state to be in mm -hmm. so fasting just there's you know you, there's lots of I, um, names out there for fasting and I really love how dr. Mindy Plez, um Pels sorry what how dr. Mindy Pels describes it and breaks it down mm -hmm. it's really as simple as um, restricting your eating window. It's not about eating less. It's not about less calories. Mm -hmm. It's about restricting your eating window so that you have a lot more time for your body to repair. And how fat, how much you compress the eating window will turn on different um, repair me mechanisms and benefits in the body. Oh, that's beautiful. And that is definitely a topic we're going to dig into because I think that's really, really fascinating from the perspective of you know, because a lot of people are looking at fasting as, oh, this is a great way to lose weight. And, and frankly, yes. a lot of people are promoting it and marketing it that way. And it, that can be a side effect of it, but it isn't the ultimate reason why you would do fasting. Physiologically, it's more important. So yeah. And you mentioned 16, eight fasting and, and bioindividuality, which I think for any, like you said, it's, it's a basis of functional medicine. I think for anyone it's about figuring out what works best for me, what works best for yeah. my body, my experience in this world, um, everything. So, yeah. so great, okay. I, absolutely, and I think that if you follow the work of the giants in this space, like Dr. Dr. Walter Longo or Dr. Jason Fong, who are like pioneers in the space of research around um, fasting, um, you know, and Dr. Mindy Pels, who does amazing work in terms of how to leverage fasting for, um, you know, repairing the body. You have famous biohackers like Dave Asprey, who's very much, you know, into fasting or Ben Greenfield. You know, all of these people are what they're, what, the reason they're diving into the science of fasting is we understand the benefits it, it, um, it reaps on the body, but it still has to be individualized. And right. you have to go into it in a very, very slow fashion. So when yeah. you talk about religion, then there was an interesting study that came out last year, I believe. I feel like time is warped with COVID. Um, and it was about the benefits of fasting in males um, in Ramadan. And ah. it was a fascinating piece of research because dry fasting, actually, when you actually restrict both water and you know food, liquids and food, increases the production of BDNF, which is the fertilizer for our brain. Mm -hmm. um, now, the length of uh, fasting varies with um, with Ramadan, of course, um, depending on where it falls every year. Mm -hmm. But that is one of the big benefits of dry fasting. And that's why people get, you know, mental clarity and 
um, you know, they feel a lot more calmer and there's like, you know, the, also the spirituality aspect of it. But the results of the study showed that there is a lot of benefits in terms of metabolic regulation, right? So right. one of the, like, that's why, it, that's why I feel fasting is promoted so much in terms of weight loss, but I think its application is probably not um, done right. It's because it's impact on insulin resistance. So, you know, a typical basic fast where you restrict your um, your uh, your eating window somewhere between, um, you know, somewhere between 12, maybe like 10 to 12 hours, mm -hmm. right? That's like your minimum intermittent fast, um, which Dr. Walter Longo did so much research on in this space. It actually shows you that that has an ability to um, regulate your insulin levels. Yeah, that's that's so, great. And and I like what you're saying here too about the research because I think it is really important. That that's always been my um, because I come from the medical world as well as you and your you know your background in pharmaceutical. It's really important to have like some evidence based research around some of this stuff. And and for those listening, we're going to definitely post some links to Walter Longo's information around the longevity diet and the fasting mimicking diet. Um, as well as Jason Fung um, and Mindy Pals, her she's having a. I think she has a book coming out next year. Um, yeah, yeah, not, not yet. Done, and I think not yet, but she's done the menopause reset, which I think is a phenomenal book for women oh, going through menopause. Fantastic. And I really encourage anyone. She puts a lot of information out there. She's very generous with her knowledge, mm -hmm. and and it's all backed by science. And I like, and I think what why her work is so important is because when we think about research in the space of fasting, there's a lot on men and there's a lot on women in their menopause, but then there's not much on women in their reproductive years. And for women, fasting is a lot more nuanced than it is for men because of our hormone cycle um, and what we experience. So a man can fast the same type of fast. I mean, variation is important and we can get into that, but a man can just fast and he's not governed by any hormone cycles, right? Or the changes in hormones that happen in menopause. While women have to be very cognizant of, especially in your reproductive years, when you fast so that you're supporting the ebb and flow of estrogen and progesterone um, throughout your reproductive years. And then how do you support the kind of roller coaster that we go through after, you Absolutely. know, in, into perimenopause, menopause. So I think that for any woman who wants to learn about and be empowered, I think they should go and subscribe and follow Dr. Mindy Pels's work. Right. She's got a lot of great information on her website, but also um, all over YouTube. She's got videos everywhere that really provide so much information. It's really amazing. So that yeah. is great. There's also a new book. Um, we can talk about that too. I don't know if you're, if you're aware of Dr. Will Cole with um, intuitive fasting, which yes. got a lot of controversy as well. Um, <laughs> let's, let's dip back into, let's just talk about like, if somebody's new to fasting or, um, you know, trying to start fasting, where, where do we recommend people start? What are some of the different types of fasting that we see out there? Yeah. So I think the basic thing that you can do is literally compress your eating window to 12 hours, mm -hmm. right? So you, you can eat as much as you want in those 12 hours. We're not talking about calorie restriction at this stage because even all the studies that have been done, whether in animals or in, in humans, there's no actual modification. I don't want to say all, but majority of them, there's no modification to the diet 
um, there is a modification to the just the eating window. And right. just compressing the eating window has a substantial benefit on so many of your hormones from insulin to oxytocin to you know sex hormones um, to cortisol, et cetera, even to your lipid metabolism. So if you just compress your eating window from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and you give yourself a break, your body a break, with you not eating anything, you can drink water, of course, you can have herbal teas. That is a very good starting point um, to help the body repair overnight and, mm. um, and allow for you to create the best insulin sensitivity so that you have a better control of your sugar levels the next day. Yeah. And insulin sensitivity, so great to talk about. I'll let you keep going with the different types, but, um, and that 12 hour eating window or uh, fasting window is essentially like seven to seven, right? I mean, seven yeah. o'clock at night to 7am, which, you know, or eight to eight, you know, so it, it involves a lot of the sleep time, which makes it so much easier, right? Exactly. Yeah. You're not fasting in daytime. You're fasting at night. And if you look at Dr. Uh, Victor, uh, Victor Longo's, uh, Walter Longo's work, which is basically the fasting mimicking diet, it's the, 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 time you're rest- you're, the time that you're fasting is somewhere between 13 to 15 hours. Mm-hmm. That's where the research is. And, and that is a great place because the, the research shows that that's where you produce stem cells. Right. And I think everyone is aware, probably people who are in the fasting world or know the longevity diet or Dr. Walter Longo know about Prolon, which mm-hmm. is what he kind of um, developed as a way to support people get into fasting by um, providing um, a calorie restricted um diet that's made for you in five days that mimics what would be the effects if you had fasted for 13 to 15 hours and then you know ate in that shorter time window which right. i've tried actually and you've it really is phenomenal um it's oh, a really it great intro because then yeah. you don't have to think about it yeah and and also i mean dr walter longo is is just he's a researcher and and this is like one of the most researched ways of, of fasting out there that's really put together by somebody who knows what they're doing. It's not a gimmicky thing. Um, so we can talk about that and I'll add um, the Prolon um, link into this as well. So that's the first part, like thinking about a 12 yeah. hour um, fast. So let's, let's talk about what's next after that. What's another yeah. level. And, and this, this fast is really one of the greatest fasts to just start to kind of break that pattern of insulin resistance that people might have. And by insulin resistance, I mean, so if you think about insulin, it's, it's basically the hormone that um, takes your um, sugar and stores it into fat, right? Stores it into the cells for the cells to be used as energy. So think of it as a key that kind of goes to open the door to the cell and shove the sugar inside that, you, that you've just had. Um, when you have insulin resistance, it's basically when the you unable to unlock that key the cells are not welcoming any more sugar and and i i think one of the great um analogies i've heard is like think of insulin as you know in, instead you have this big keychain and you can't figure out the key to open the lock to the, to to the cell and that that's yeah. you have that's how you have insulin resistance um and so that's a really great starting point right and so it but, also forces your body to kind of burn fat for energy as well it, yeah, exactly. Because a lot of the time, what the challenge with weight loss is, yes, diet has a very big component. So if you're eating inflammatory foods, high sugar content, bad oils, all of that stuff, but a sedentary lifestyle, and we can talk about all of those things, uh, you know, how to maximize the benefit of your fast. But the, the um, 
the, the key thing is that most people are stuck in this sugar burning mode, right? So we just burn carb and we don't burn fat. So you need to think of your body as a hybrid car. We can use electricity or petrol. Petrol is the, the, the easiest one that the body goes for. So it goes for glucose. But if glucose is so abundant all the time, the body is just going to burn that and has no, no experience in how to burn fat. And the only way it burns fat, if you actually reduce the um, presence of um, sugar that's there. And when you start to burn fat, you can then tap into the old sugar that's been trapped for, <laughs> for many years, the, you know, the glycogen stores. So yeah. it, you know, so, so it's where our body is designed to go in and out of sugar burning and fat burning. Our body is designed to go in and out of sympathetic and parasympathetic. That's what we're designed. We're designed to flip Absolutely. back and forth. So that's where this is a very good starting point to reduce inflammation, um, you know, um, balance your insulin, uh, get some energy improvement, some, you know, increase in some uh, uh, growth hormone production. So it's a very, very good starting point and relatively easy for most people to, to get started with. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the points that you had there too, was, you know, talking about what you're eating when you're not fasting. And, and I think it's important to think about just as you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet, you can't fast your way out of a bad diet. Fasting <laughs> in between eating junk food is not the way to go. Right. So it's yeah. important to have that. And then I'm also going to dip back into that um, BDNF that you talked about um, brain derived neurotropic um, factor. Right. So that it, it increases. So there's so many physiological things that, that happen during this fasting and even just doing that 12 hour fasting window is, is a perfect way to start, right. And get your body primed for it. Think about yeah. just starting there and then moving forward. So once you've gotten that under your belt and you, you feel pretty good doing that and you've kind of shifted a little bit, um, you know, tell me what, what, what are the things that you would look for that would indicate, okay, I think I'm ready for another level of fasting and what's next? So when you, yeah. So a, a very easy way is you get to 12 hours and you're not hungry yeah. or you're not feeling dizzy or you're not feeling, um, you know, lethargic, right? So that all signs that your insulin is balanced and you're not having, you know, that you, you can stay longer. So the whole premise of, fasting is to produce a beneficial form of stress for the body mm -hmm. uh, because not all stress is bad. This is a good type of stress, yep. a hermetic stress. And so we want, we want to use that stress to promote um, a healing mechanism. But when you get to a stage where the body's like, you know what, I'm good, I'm comfortable now, um, then you know, okay, let me push it by an hour. And the next day, maybe you push it by another hour and mm -hmm. see how you feel. Yeah. It's really all about, that's why it's so personalized because you, you don't want to jump into a very long fast prior without prior training because then you can put your body in severe stress. And right. that's not good because we, you know, you could have a high toxic load. And mm -hmm. then if you have a high toxic load, for example, in the body and you go into a long fast, the liver can't cope in, uh, to produce ketones, the, the fat uh, energy source. And so what, it, so what you, what you end up uh, where well, you end up is stressing the liver and then you can't produce ketones for energy, but then you don't have sugar for energy and you can dip into a hypo state. Right? Yes. Oh, so important to, to think about. And maybe this is a good point to really talk about what are the signs and symptoms and reasons why fasting might not be good for you before we go any further, like, like, okay, I want people to know 
fasting can be a fantastic tool, but there are specific reasons why you would not fast and what you're going to look for. Like you're saying that dip in hype in um, blood sugar, the hypoglycemia, like if you start feeling that way, and if you're feeling that way consistently, like, eh, you need to back off on this, right? So what are some other reasons, diagnoses, um, other symptoms that might not go with fasting? So I think the most important thing is if you have an existing chronic condition, so whether you're a diabetic or you have an autoimmune condition or there's cancer or anything that you work with um, a practitioner to help you and a nutritionist to help you manage that in order to not put your body into an, a healing crisis, right? Into a situation where it's trying to fight at multiple fronts. Right. So actually fasting can be very beneficial in all of these uh, areas, but it needs to be yeah. done with caution, right? Mm -hmm. And with supervision. That is really my, the, the important thing to say. Yeah. Um, when, you know, and that's where you want to start very slow. It's, you want to start before you even, at, I think that the best place to start is take out the bad foods from your diet, right? Mm -hmm. Clean up your diet and clean up your environment. Because if you have, um, you know, a, a, a liver that's um, your high toxic load and a liver that's bunged up and it can't clean out all the toxins and your, your intake of, um, uh, you know, highly processed foods or high sugar intake is causing your blood sugar to go up and down throughout the day. And you're getting those moments of like, you know, hangry and then you crash after food. That's a sign that your body is, in very inflamed and yeah. putting and that's a form of stress inflammation is stress yeah. and if you add fasting to an environment like that prior b before building it slowly is uh, that's when you know um uh when it, it's kind of becomes contraindicated right yeah. so yeah. you you want to start first by it's a building blocks mm -hmm. so you want to start by cleaning up your diet and I, I don't mean you have to eat super clean but at least remove the bad oils right like the canola oils and things like that remove um, remove the highly refined processed sugars remove the highly processed grains eat more greens have more fat to help stabilize your blood sugar healthy fats right mm -hmm. um, protein so we want to we want to have a whole foods diet basic whole foods diet like what, yeah. what Mark Hyman always talks about right basic yeah. whole foods diet something that doesn't come from the ground, you probably shouldn't eat it. <laughs> and then, you know, you want to, um, um, and then that's when you say, okay, well, let me now start with uh, fasting. I think another important point is people who are, um, have a very disrupted circadian rhythm. Mm. So whether you're night shift workers or um, you have insomnia or difficulty with sleeping, that's also um, a big challenge. And you want to be careful about fasting because not not to do it. I think it's important. It, it's a, it's also a good tool. But when we don't sleep, we're already compromised because we can't activate our repair mechanisms. All our repair mechanisms, the most primary one, autophagy, um, in which you repair cells, occurs at night. Um, your liver detoxifies at night. Your brain, your glymphatic system is active at night. So if you're not sleeping, it, you imagine it, you're basically running on waste of yesterday and then the day before and the day before. So you're like, a walking garbage can, right? Yeah. And you can't clear it. And so, yeah. <laughs> so as a result, you're, you know, when you try to fast, it, it's a, it's a very difficult process for your body to, um, it becomes difficult for your body to gain the benefits of the fast. So yeah. working on optimizing your sleep is a very good place to start before you try to go on longer fasts, but at least starting with a basic thing of 12, 12 is really, 
you know, it's a very good starting place. Okay. So once you get to that point, you're feeling good with it. You actually feel like maybe you have more energy. Your sleep might be better as you've, you've, you've done this 12 hour fast. What's next? What's the then next? you go, then you go to autophagy fasting, which that's 17 hours and above because that's when autophagy kicks in and autophagy is basically cellular repair. That's how, you know, when the body's like, okay, there's nothing, the cell goes, right. There's no more inputs. Okay. Now I can, the body, go, the, the cell goes, okay, now I can go in and repair the cell to make it a better cell and, you know, um, to improve it. So that really kicks in when you haven't had any uh, food for 17 hours and above. And then uh, Dr. Mindy talks about it quite a lot, which says it peaks at 72 hours. You know, you have people who do like really long 72 hour fasts and we can talk about that. That's also um, a great fast. But again, you have to build, you, you have to build, um, build that. The, the caveat that comes with 17 hour fasting is that it's also what you, the, the, the eating that comes with it. So you want to not have too much protein um, when you break your fast. So you want to keep it under 20 grams of protein. And the reason for that is if you eat too much protein um, uh, in, in your eating window, then you kick your body out of autophagy and into what's called mTOR, which is building. Okay. Right. When you're, when you're building a muscle, when you're building cells. Okay. Um, so that's where that, that's a really good, that, and that's a really nice place to be in because that you, we all need more autophagy in our life, <laughs> especially right, right, with, right. with, you know, with all the environmental um, exposures and stressors that we have on a daily basis. Yeah. So 17 yeah. hour fast, um, that kind of puts you into that and you slowly bring yourself back into it with a low protein. Um, is it low protein, high fat. high fat, low carbohydrates kind of? Yeah. So it's about 50 grams net carbs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the idea, so let's, let's even talk about a little bit be, about like definition between time restricted eating and fasting. So the time restricted is that window of, of 12 hours. And then as you get into the 17 and maybe this, you know, longer than that, then you would really consider that from like the literature, more of a fasting state, or what's the difference between those two definitions? No, it's, it's the same thing. It's just, it's basically you, all, all that fasting is, is that you are restricting your eating window. How much you're restricting your eating window dictates what benefits you're getting out of the fast. So the longer the fast, the, the different healing mechanisms you, you activate in the body. So there's some people too that, that will do um, what they would call fasting, but they'll also do something like a bulletproof coffee during that yeah. fasting time. And so how does that differ, right? That's, they're getting, um, you know, the Bulletproof coffee has um, MCT, MCT oil in it, or it's got coconut oil, um, a different type or ghee or something like that. So how does that factor into it? So you only, so the, the, the only way you break your fast or what, what we consider like a fast is broken is when your sugar goes up mm -hmm. in your blood. So okay. the only, and it's very individual. And so you really want to monitor your blood sugar and see, are you a person that can drink coffee during a fast or does it break your fast? Uh, can you add okay. MCT oil to your coffee? And, and not, things like, because MCT, MCT oil is almost like pure ketones. Mm -hmm. So it kind of prolongs your 
prolongs your fast. Um, same thing with ghee, because it, it's also very high fat, um, low glycemic sort of um, uh, food. So that's why bulletproof coffee is, is really great because A, also the coffee is mold free and it's organic. And, you know, we, we also don't want to introduce toxins um, to the body. So coffee is great. Supplements are fine. Uh, herbal teas are fine. Um, but again, you have to test. You won't know until you test. So I think that if you can, if you're wearing a, a continuous glucose monitor, that's great because you get immediate feedback. Otherwise, you can, you know, you can buy one of those um, uh, finger prick glucose monitors like a Keto Mojo, or mm -hmm. and then you can you can measure your blood sugar after, and see yeah. if it spikes. Then you know that that's not a good option for you. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Great to know. Um, Okay, and so maybe we'll talk a little bit about the continuous glucose monitor and blood sugar monitors. The Keto Mojo is more um, just the finger stick where you check your blood sugar, but it also tells you your ketones. Um, yeah. The continuous glucose monitor, which is gaining lots of popularity with people yeah. um, nowadays, used to be only um, severe diabetics would use a ketone or a, a continuous glucose monitor because it's something that you're you're putting into your the back of your arm into your skin and yeah. you're kind of wearing it continuously. And it, yeah. it's a really amazing tool though, to see how different um, types of food or even stress and lack of sleep affect your blood. It an effect. It's yeah. amazing. So tell it me really is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think you have, um, it, it's definitely growing a lot in the US. We don't have much of it in Europe yet. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will come soon. I think it will definitely revolutionize healthcare because I believe we can't we can't manage what we can't measure. So mm -hmm. if we have no understanding of what our insulin and sugar levels are doing on a daily basis, we don't know how to manage that. And it's very individual. Like I might eat a sweet potato and it will be fine for me, but you might eat the sweet potato and it might spike you, right? right? I might think, you know, spinning on a bike five times a week is actually fantastic, but what it's doing, it's, you know, pushing me into, um, it's spiking my sugar levels, right? So you need to know whether exercise, um, you know, um, maybe going to work spikes your insulin sugar, your, your insulin, your, your sugar job. levels, because yeah, because your job, you know, you have a very toxic work environment and you know, your cortisol goes up um, or, you know, or you have a toxic relationship, whatever it is, there's, in, there's environmental factors that mm -hmm. are going to impact you, whether not just food, food, movement, sleep, like we talked about it. Um, uh, so it's important to understand how those things are impacting you. And the reason why this is important is because insulin resistance um, or insulin imbalance is the hallmark of most chronic diseases. You know, if you think of women, PCOS, infertility, menopause, um, you know, all of these things, obesity, all of these things, they're type diabetes. Uh, the most under, the biggest underlying problem is insulin resistance. Yeah. And so if you, if you have a better understanding of how you um, become more metabolically um, flexible and healthy, then the less likely you're going to have inflammation and then dysregulation in the rest of your hormones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And I, you're, you're right that the U.S. has a little more access to that right now. I think um, for a lot of them, you do still have to have um, 
an order from your physician to get a continuous glucose monitor, but that's kind of shifting a little bit. And if you have a functional medicine provider who is a MD or DO, they can do that for you um, easily and, and help you to yeah. get one of those. Um, and I think it can be really important because often I'm talking to people about how lack of sleep can actually raise your blood sugar and people are not, it, that's a new concept for a yeah. lot of people and all these other lifestyle factors that you're talking about that actually influence some of those things. And I don't think that um, most people really have a, an awareness that that happens, but if you're, you know, if you've got that continuous glucose monitor on, you can see, oh, look at all these things that affect it. And how can I get it to be a little steady, not some major spikes, but you know, what is my, my um, level of moderation, right? Yeah. And, and it's also understanding when you spike, do you recover? That's also really important. It's not about never spiking, right? It's, uh, right. But it's important to know, am I recovering or yeah. do I stay in that really high inflammatory state? So tell me what a spike would be and then what a good time frame is for recovery from that. So that's a very good question. Um, I, I have to uh, flip my mind now because it's in American numbers versus okay, right. <laughs> EU numbers. But I think that, you know, um, staying somewhere between, um, I believe, uh, 70 to 90, right, 70 to 90 in terms yeah. of your blood sugar levels is a, is a really good place to be. That's a very healthy metabolic um, uh, uh function and I think that the the if you if you dip below like into your 60s um, you know that's when you start worrying about getting closer to hypoglycemia and then jumping above your 90s is where you worry about hyperglycemia and many things can um, drive that as we said sleep food type of exercise and so on um, you kind of want the variation in your glucose level to stay within that range, right? You don't want really major spikes. Uh, but I think when you start to spike above um, 140, then, you know, you have a, you need to, you need to be concerned um, that, you know, there's a concern around why that is occurring. Even postprandial. So right after you were to eat, you still should have your, your blood sugar levels at a 90. No, it can, it can go a little bit up, but as long as it's not going above 140, that's really high. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, ideally, yes, you want to stay up to the sort of 95 range, right? Mm -hmm. But you, and it depends on what you eat. Um, but if you're going to have a, an ice cream, that's definitely going to spike your sugar. And that's great. You should enjoy life and have ice cream. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't, <laughs> but I think that are you recovering afterwards, right? Or are you consistently staying for a good hour or two in a high, in a high state? That's a worry. But if within 30 minutes you're dropping back down, that's great. Okay. Okay. So 30 minutes, that's a good, good um, time frame for people to pay attention to, because even if you can't get a continuous glucose monitor, you can check your blood sugar with something you can around here, at least we can get that at yeah. any local drugstore. You can get um, a monitor. It doesn't require a, a doctor's order or anything. You just stick your blood, test it and see what it looks like. Right. Yeah. And that yeah. just, it, again, it's, it's evidence-based information and it's also incredibly personalized. And then you Absolutely. start to think to yourself, okay, well, if I eat X, Y, or Z, mm, this is raising my blood sugar a lot more than um, I thought it was. 
And then you can also, this is all about this awareness that we try to teach in functional medicine, right? How does my body feel when that happens? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest question you need to ask yourself is when I eat food, irrespective of what food that is, is there a change in mm -hmm. my energy or function? Mm -hmm. If you have a change in energy or function, you have insulin resistance. Yeah. It's that yeah. simple. It yeah. really starts there. It doesn't have to reflect in, you don't have to wait for it to reflect in your actual blood work because that's a little bit too late. You know, that's like, right. you know, advanced insulin resistance, right? We're getting into the pre-diabetic and diabetic ranges. That's right. what we're testing for in blood tests. We're testing for disease. We're not testing for optimal health. No. So we want to be in a space where you building awareness about your body is really critical. And so just tuning into, well, am I getting, do I get hangry? Like, you know, where, where I feel so, like if I haven't eaten for a while, you know, you get this, you know, you're, you're angry and you're jittery and your heart is racing. Am I, you know, am I dipping into a hypoglycemic state? And so I have to eat and then I eat and then I feel lethargic. Then, you know, your blood sugar is going up and down, up and down. Up and, down. and this is where fasting is so effective because fasting allows you to um, build a better control um, in terms of your insulin uh, receptivity in your cells. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not just insulin, but also other hormones that are important, like leptin, which helps you burn fat, because you can also get leptin resistance at the same time. And it also helps uh, your ghrelin hormone, which is your hunger hormone, mm, right? So yeah. it's the, 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 the beauty of fasting is that it gives your body the, the breathing space. This is how I think about it. It gives your body the breathing space to recalibrate, repair, and be ready to take on the next day. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think too, like what you're talking about with this, this leptin resistance and ghrelin, those are definitely affected by sleep as well. So yeah. knowing, knowing how your body feels and knowing that, oh gosh, if I didn't get a a good night's sleep, I'm, my ghrelin's going to be like, you know, ramped up and making me feel like I want to eat carbs all day long. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not just that you're hungry and that you need them because that's where we start talking about this intuition around, around eating and around lifestyle stuff. This, this is a way of really calibrating, looking at how is my body functioning? What really works for me? Am I hungry? Am I um, tired, am I, you know, which is hangry, bored, right? bored, bored, yeah. right. Yeah. So to reset that, that monitor for you to pay attention and to also realize, gosh, I don't need to eat that much. I don't need to eat as much as I think I need. And I don't need food every couple of hours necessarily. Now with the caveat, as we spoke about earlier, that if you're, um, diabetic, you really have to be careful about like, this, this, the fasting, and you have to have it, yeah. you know, directed by somebody who knows what's going on with your diabetes and following that. So, yeah, um, it's still, it's still safe, but I think it's safe under supervision, right? You definitely want to get the benefits of it because I think, um, I can't recall the paper, but it actually, in some, um, um, I'm going to find the paper and send it to you, but it talked about, um, actual, um, uh, pancreatic cell regeneration, right? Because when you get into longer fasts, you're, so even at the intermittent fasting level, you know, 13 to 15, you're, you're producing stem cells. But when you get into longer fasts, like, you know, the 24 hour fasts where, um, you know, that's where you're really activating regeneration of intestinal stem cells. You improve your 
um, the production of GABA, um, which is kind of your happy hormone, you reduce your anxiety, you have more mental clarity. Mm. You know, it's a really um, kind of dinner to dinner, think about it, right? Uh, a type of fast. Um, it's, you know, and it's great at, at weight loss because now you start to get deeper, deeper, more and more um, into uh, that flexibility between, um, you know, bur sugar burner and fat burner. So right. it's, um, there's a lot of benefits when you go into, you know, longer fast, like 36 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, they all have different healing mechanisms mm -hmm. um, that are activated, but um, it's important to do that under careful supervision. And I think that anyone, even who's listening, who has, you know, more um, uh, uh, chronic, severe chronic conditions or life-threatening chronic conditions, um, such as cancer, especially solid tumors, I really encourage them to go listen to Dr. Patrick Hannaway, um, you know, who um, who heads up the Institute of Functional Medicine and his experience um, overcoming um, stage four head and neck cancer, well, neck cancer, right? It was, yeah. Yes. And and what and the, the tools he used of ketogenic diet and fasting, all the research that's coming out of that came out of Germany. And he he used that to heal himself alongside conventional medicine, right? He still did the radiation, he exactly. still did all of that, but he actually maximized his chance of um, of success and survival by leveraging all the modalities that are available to you. So it's not fasting or it's not keto or it's all about variation. You the just like in your in your life, variety you say that is the spice of life. So does the body. The body needs variety. So yeah. you can't just go consistently. I'm going to do 16, 8, 16, 8, 16, 8, 16. It doesn't work, right? Because right. right. the body then. It, that's why, for example, the the calorie restriction um, kind of went out of fashion. And Dr. Jason Fung was one of the you know first to debunk all of that because he was saying that when you go into calorie restriction, it's just eventually your body catches on that it just needs to adjust its threshold and right. then you plateau and you can't lose any weight. And in fact, you start putting on weight. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you're not, you're not activating any healing mechanism. There's also a book I'm looking um, behind me um, as you're speaking about the cancer, um, the metabolic approach to cancer, which is yeah. um, one of that's the books that I know here in Cleveland. Um, yeah. That that's her whole thing. It's, it's fasting and it's the metabolic approach to, to cancer. And I think it's really super important if you can find somebody that's really going to support that for you. And I'm going to um, also post some of the stuff about Dr. Patrick Hannaway, who I worked with at the clinic, which was great. Um, yeah, he's and, and he's, I mean, his story is phenomenal. He's doing really, really well. And I mean, stage four, you, you just, that, that's a, that's not something that a lot of people come back from. So it is no phenomenal to, to, to hear the story that he has and the work that he's done around that. So I'll post that information too. We're going to have a lot of research studies to post. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. That's great. Yeah. So we but I think, about, go ahead. Yeah, no, but I, I was saying that's why, because when you look at some of the cancer cells, not all cancer cells, but in certain solid tumors, um, like breast and colon and things like that, the, 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 the cancer cell itself doesn't have the clever mechanism your healthy cells have. It cannot burn sugar and, and fat. And so that's why this whole research in ketosis and fasting uh, pre-chemotherapy is so helpful because it increases the sensitization of the cancer cells to the chemotherapy. Because when you go into a ketosis state, your healthy cells just flip into 
uh, fat burning mode because they can do that, but the cancer cells can't. So they become more vulnerable. And then therefore you have a better effect of your, of your therapy um, and then less side effects. Right. Mm, yeah. um, but there's a, it, it, it is, it's not, it's not the, these protocols and are, are not still, you know, mainstream or readily available. Um, this work is, and that's why, you know, following someone like Dr. Patrick Hannaway, been there and now kind of educating and consulting on that is, is a great place to start. Yeah, that's great. Right. So, so we'll post a lot of that stuff in the show notes for everybody to have connection to that. And that research study that you're talking about with pancreatic. Um, yes, I will so, find that. I will find that. I will send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you've got homework now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about the 12 hour fasting window, 17 hours, um, 24 hour fasting, which can be um, something that you can do a couple days a week. You can do it, you know, every other day if you want to. That's that's a little more. Um, but that one, I think, as you're saying, like as you start to expand that window of fasting, and again, it's not about I'm going to fast for 24 hours and the next day I'm going to eat a bunch of junk, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's still eating really good quality food not paying attention necessarily to calorie counting or anything like that, but eating good quality food and nourishing your body and then also giving your body that rest. And so yeah. let's talk a little bit about in that time frame what goes on GI wise, right? Because yeah. often I'll have people who are doing fasting or periods of time not eating and any kind of stuff that's like flaring up when they're eating sort of calms down and their gut feels better. What's going on gut wise with the gut microbiome? Yes, it's really fascinating. So I think that with the gut microbiome, it's one of the things, a lot of the times what's triggering the inflammation um, is commonly we have an imbalance in our gut microbiome. There's potentially uh, increased levels of pathogenic bacteria. They're producing um, LPS, which is the, the toxin, the byproduct toxin of, of uh, gram-negative bacteria that's irritating the gut lining. You might have damage to the gut lining. So you have quite a lot of inflammation going on. Um, and when you introduce also the, the act of digestion, right, mm -hmm. that's an inflammatory process, a good inflammatory process. Yeah. But if you if you're already struggling because you have low digestive enzymes, you have an unhealthy, you know, an, a, you know, dysbiosis or so an imbalanced gut microbiome, you're not digesting the food, you're creating, you know, there's fermentation, you know, there's almost kind of rotting going on in the gut. But when you, when you take a break, the body's like, great, I don't need to break. I, I don't, I can really, I can take a breather. It's like, there's a sigh. And the gut goes, I don't need to digest food. I need to clean up the mess that's in here. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the 24 hour fast and beyond is so great for the gut, because that's where you can where you actually the, the data shows you get the regeneration of intestinal stem cells that go in and repair. So if you have, um, uh, you know, a leaky gut uh, where there's tears along the gut lining, this is a really nice fast that you can do once a week. But that's, of course, after you've mastered the previous fast and your body is in a very good place and your blood sugar is stable um, and you're feeling good. Right. And it's not something you do, you know, every, on every day, that's not, the, no. you know, no, no. Um, again, it, it really has to be tailored. Uh, right. It's not you go do this or do that, especially also if you have gut conditions, you really want to work um, like if you have diverticulitis or if you have IBD, you really want to work with a, with um um, with a practitioner to really guide you and help you because how you break your fast is really critical, mm -hmm. right? It's not just about, um, 
like you said, you're not gonna go eat McDonald's, right? Or like, <laughs> you know, a, a, um, a processed meal. Because at this moment, your body is basically going into a big state of repair. You have activated autophagy, you have stem cells, there's a lot of detoxification going on. And then what you want to do is nourish it. This is the opportunity to feed it good things. So breaking your fast with fats is really good because it maintains you in that state of repair. Mm -hmm. Having bone broth uh, is so fantastic because it has glycine that helps repair the, the, the lining of the gut. You know, eating some uh, prebiotic foods like kimchi or sauerkraut um, that help feed the good bacteria because the gut is going to say thank you. You know, now I have the ability to to um, get rid of the debris, get rid of the overgrowth, and and feed yeah. it with good bacteria. Do you, so is yeah. um, bone broth and then fiber or glycine? Glycine, there's glycine. In there. Okay, okay. So that would be a lovely little meal to start your, yeah. you know, to finish off your fast or to, to break your fast, I should say, is a little bit yeah. of bone broth and um, kimchi, or I'm going to give a shout out to Cleveland Kraut. We've got a company yeah. in Cleveland that has some really great sauerkraut. I mean, that's-, that's I love a, sauerkraut. Oh yeah, there's there's, there's so many different forms of it now that um, yeah. are great, and lots of different yeah. little companies that are doing that, as well as bone broth, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What about your people that that don't eat meat products um, in a bone broth? What what is a they can have a vegetable broth. Okay. A vegetable broth is a really good um, source. Um, you can even do the 24 hour fast. For example, if you're not ready to go completely on a water fast, you can do it even with bone broth, mm -hmm. just drinking bone broth for 24 hours is also a really great way to, um, heal the gut lining, right. And give your gut that break. Good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it also sounds like, like, frankly, what people, you know, again, some of these ancient practices or things that were yeah, just have been there for years mom's sort of source of like, let's have a little just chicken broth, right? If you're feeling sick, let's just do that. You're nourishing, yeah. your, you're giving it a break. You're, you're boosting your, or balancing your immune system. You're creating like a, an environment that's healthier. So these are things that now we've got some really great research about, but like lots of, they've been there for what they yeah. would call wives tales, right? Is this something that, you know, mom said was good, but we didn't know why it was good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. We needed more research in this. It's just we're in that world where we need the research to back up um, the claims. And that's great. We need more research. It pushes us to do more research in the lifestyle intervention space yeah. uh, because it has such a profound impact on our health. But yeah, when I was sick, I remember when I was young, that's what we what we used to have bone yeah. broth, like literally we had to have chicken broth. That's it. Or chicken yeah. soup. And that's and you, you don't even have an appetite to eat unhealthy food to right. begin with. Yeah. Um, and that's basically being intuitive is knowing what your body needs. Um, and I think with with so much um, this, the excessive stimulation of our nervous system, we lose touch with our intuition. And I loved, I was listening to um, Dr. Huberman's um, recent podcast with Mark Hyman and how he was with Dr. Mark Hyman and how he was explaining the gut-brain connection from a neurology standpoint. And he was saying that when you, when you have an unhealthy gut, like a dysbiotic gut from bad food, you know, et cetera, um, in a bad, bad diet, what happens is the nerves that are innervating the gut, they start to pull away so that they don't get damaged from all the toxins that are um, swimming around in the gut. And, and as a result, when they pull away, you lose that 
intimate connection. It becomes weaker. Uh, and, but he's, but he said, you, but actually when you clean your gut and you, um, and you support it and you heal it, those nerves start to grow back. So it's like kind of neuroplasticity, but happening at a gut level. And so it, cool. I was blown away by that, really blown oh, away by that. I love Dr. Huberman and well, and Dr. Yeah. Hyman too, but, but yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll link that podcast episode too, because I think that's really important to, to pay attention to and what you're saying too. And what I've noticed when I've done any fasting is again, that you do, you get this stronger connection to your body. You're paying attention. You're not numbing yourself with, with foods or foods constantly or, or foods that aren't healthy for you. You're thinking a little bit more about it. This also leads me to this question that I think is really, really important around fasting. Um, Fasting as it relates to people who've had eating disorders in the past. So fasting can be a convenient excuse for people who have a, an eating disorder to say, I'm fasting. I'm not just, you know, not eating in a very destructive way. I'm fasting. So, so let's talk about that connection because I think it's important to really pay attention to that and draw that out and, and help people understand that that's, that's not, you know, if you have an eating disorder, this is not the thing for you to be doing. Yeah. I think that, and that's really where you want to um, it, it, as, a, as a practitioner, I know that you as well as a health coach, that's something we try and tease out in our initial deep dives and consultations with our patients because and our nutritionists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we feel that there is any um, past history of eating disorders um, or an existing eating disorder, that is not the path we go straight into because as right. you said, because food is an emotional thing. Right, eating is emotional, and so we need to understand and uncover what are the drivers of um, of that behavior. Right, mm-hmm. um, what are you meeting with that need? With that need, um, you know, to to not eat, right, right. Or, or you know, to have any form of uh, eating disorder. So I think it's it's definitely, again, it's not like, you know, um, I think that fasting is again is a phenomenal tool mm-hmm. that we can use. Um, it's, it has, it is nuanced for people and for women, um, and for people with chronic illnesses, um, you definitely need to seek guidance, um, but you shouldn't be fearful of it, but at the same time, you should do it in conjunction with other healthy, um, lifestyle habits, such as good sleep, such as healthy eating, such as movement. Right. So again, a lot of, for example, people would say, um, you know, I'm fasting, but it's not working for me. And then you talk to them about their lifestyle and it's a very sedentary lifestyle. Mm. Well, when the body's repairing, where's all of this, um, where's all of this debris and you know gunk is gonna go? Where is it gonna go? It has to go into the garbage chutes. What are your garbage chutes? That's your lymphatic system. Mm. So if your lymphatic system, how does it move? Lymph moves through the body by movement. Mm-hmm. So if you don't move, the lymphatic, the, the, the lymph is, um, the fluid becomes stagnant and that stagnation of this garbage then, you know, breeds inflammation and, and breeds rotting and breeds um, uh, pain, right? So then people are like, well, I'm not getting better. Well, because you're not, cle- you're not clearing the waste. We have to clear the waste and we clear it through lymphatic system. And then of course, through, um, uh, um, you know, through your gut, right? By peeing it, pooping it, um, you know, um, sweating it, like yeah. you, you need that. 
And so that's really a big also factor in, in also to think about. It's like having a sedentary lifestyle and doing a fast is not going to get you um, the benefits that you're desiring. Because if you're starting with a high toxic load, you go on a fast and then you're not cleaning out the waste. Mm-hmm. And now all the waste that your body has stored for years, because remember, your body doesn't do anything because it's trying to hurt you. Your body is trying to protect you. It's a very intelligent being. Mm-hmm. So, and I love that saying when we're in school, it was that the solution uh, to pollution is dilution. So when the body has too much waste and it doesn't know what to do with it, either it, it creates water retention, right? Or it puts creates more fat, right? So you start to store more fat so that it can shove all of these toxins in there so that it's not affecting your organs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's, it's protecting you. You're putting yeah. on weight because your body's protecting you. It's like, well, I don't know what to do with this. I don't want to create visceral fat, so I'm just going to create other fat, right? Adipose tissue and all of that. And that comes with its own problems because then it's, you know, making estrogen and all of those things that come down that line. So so really you need to think about it. It's like, okay, well, if my body now I'm fasting, it's going to say, oh my God, yes, I can release some of these toxins that I've been, you know, that I've been packing for a while. And then it releases it. Where does it go into the bloodstream? You're probably going to feel crappy that yeah, day, yeah. right? So You're going to have those detox symptoms that we we talk about and we see with our patients. Yeah, and so to clear can... that, yeah, you need you need to have you need to be active. You need to um, you need to be pooping. You need to be peeing. You need to be um, sweating. You need to be moving. You know mm-hmm. that's really important. So. On that note, right? Like, so there's the sedentary lifestyle and then there's like the, oh, the super exerciser. Over. So somewhere in between there, because when you are fasting and you start to increase the amount of fasting, um, what's a good amount of exercise for people? That's a very good question. I think there's, it's individual because it depends on what your baseline of um, activity was like prior to going into this, right? So if you're in a very sedentary lifestyle, perhaps overweight, you know, you want to exercise, but when you're doing the longer fast, like let's say 24 hour fast or longer, you're probably, your body's going into a a significant healing uh, process. And that's where you want to kind of back down and do kind of more conscious movement, right? You can do stretching, you can go for walks, definitely move, but you don't want to do, for example, an extensive hit session or, um, you know, or or a heavy like weightlifting session or something like that. Right. Right. But again, it really depends on where your baseline is and how you feel and what your numbers are. We have to get, you know, good with knowing our numbers. Right. Um, Blood sugar is dropping when you're doing some of that intense exercise. Then you have to say, okay, let me just like pull back on this a little bit. Um, Some are what there's other things to, to note, too. I have a good friend who is doing a lot of fasting and she sent me a picture of her fingernails at one point, and she's probably going to yell at me because she's going to listen to this. <laughs> she said, <laughs> "She said, I don't know what's going on. My nails are breaking all the time. I've got these white spots on them. You know, what do you think that's all about?" And that's I said, mineral well, deficiency. Yes, and and you know, also some hypoglycemic moments when she's fasting, and um, you know, so that's important to pay attention to, too. If you're going to be doing some fasting over periods of time where you're doing maybe an autophagy fast once a month or something like that, 
your, your nails are like a six month window into your overall health, right? So what are yes. you looking for? What, what should be, what are some other signs and symptoms that you're a doing well with fasting and it's really helping your body over that period of time and things that maybe are indicators that eh, maybe I need to pull back a little bit and, and really look at the nutrient density of what I'm providing my body. Yeah, that's a good question. So yes, um, I think that the signs like hair loss, disturbed sleep, nails breaking, um, those are signs that you have mineral deficiency cramping. You know, mm -hmm. if you're starting to get cramps or a bit of palpitations, that's a sign that you are low on magnesium, potassium, sodium, right? Mm -hmm. And we actually, when we're in a state of stress, whatever form of stress the body's under, right? Whether it's physiological stress or um, psychological stress, um, in heightened state of stress, we tend to um, dump our electrolytes. So we actually lose some of it, right? Yeah. So we, we need more electrolytes than um, uh, in, in those states. So having a bit of electrolytes in your water that you sip throughout the day while you're fasting is very effective. Yes, right? excellent. Really yeah. effective. And I think anyone, I think we're all depleted in electrolytes because, uh, you know, as Dr. Mike Hyman talks about it, you know, our soil is depleted in minerals. Therefore, our food mm -hmm. is depleted in minerals. Therefore, we're depleted in minerals. Right. Um, Especially magnesium. So, I mean, we don't get enough oh, of that for sure. Or sodium, yeah. because people also have this fear that salt is the enemy, right? Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's not. Um, yeah. Sodium is so critical. It, it opens your channels of communication in your nervous system. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that the balance of our calcium, potassium, sodium, magnesium, you know, molybdenum, chromium, all of these minerals are so critical for our health. They're like, um, you know, we're, we're, we focus a lot on vitamins, right? Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about detoxification, right? We talk about amino acids that, you know, we, the, how we activate the Krebs cycle and, um, and detoxification. And we talk about hormone building. But what turns all of this on is your minerals. So without minerals, you, none of this works effectively. So really, why, it's so important. This is why it's so fantastic to talk to you because your background is as a, a pharmacist. So like you understand the whole um, biochemistry of what's going on in our yeah. bodies and, and what that whole chain of events is about. And you can talk about the lifestyle factors, but there are some things that need to be um, really in place to, to get those things working in the best way. And I think some of the electrolyte replacement things, um, there are plenty of those on the market now. Element, I think is one of them. I'll love Element, Element, yeah. for that. Um, yeah. and then body bio, the e-light body bio. E light, um, yeah. body bio. Okay, I didn't know about those two. That's um, a great one. I think you also have to be careful. Some of those have some sugars in them. So yeah. I mean, the other pieces, just you know, always read what's in them. But I think it can be a super helpful thing. And you, you know, again, you start to pay attention to how does my body feel, and maybe I'll try a little bit of this, and I, I start to feel a little bit better after I drink that. Oh gosh, maybe I'm low on some of these elemental things, right? And um, I, I think again, this awareness piece is so important. Um, yeah, definitely. There's a great, um, uh, he's a PhD. Um, so he's a researcher, a PhD pharmacist oh, and his name escapes me now, but I love his work. And he published a book, honestly, it's this thick. <laughs> it's uh -huh. called, uh, the mineral fix. The mineral um, fix. okay. Yeah, and I and and he was on a podcast with Dr. Mark Hyman also not so long ago, but oh. he talked about the importance of minerals. Um, oh. It's a very geeky scientific uh, book, but it's so 
good so that you can understand the benefits, the, the important role of minerals that we really often discount okay. or don't pay attention to. Well, and I'll, I'll put a link to the um, book, but I think more people probably would listen to the podcast with Dr. Hyman yeah. instead. So that's, that's good. Um, it, yeah, there's so much to think about. I think, you know, just jumping into fasting, not necessarily the best thing to do without really arming yourself with some information, maybe yes. connecting with a professional that really can help you kind of walk your way through it and decide, is this really the right thing for you? Um, and then also kind of just paying attention to what your body's telling you throughout the whole time that you're doing it. I think stress is another thing to consider, right? So particularly for women, like if you're in any state of adrenal dysfunction, um, how does fasting affect that? Yeah. So that's a very good question. So I think that, um, uh, Dr. Mindy describes this so nicely, like the hierarchy of hormones. So she talks about how, you know, oxytocin, controls cortisol, cortisol controls insulin, insulin controls your sex hormones. So when you're in a state of heightened sort of um, adrenal function, right? You have too much cortisol going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you know, you're in a severe state of chronic stress, right? Um, probably going into long fast is not a good idea because you're adding more stress to the system. Yeah. Um, and it's just starting gentle with the basic 13 to 15 hours, looking after yourself, resting um, is, 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 is really important. But actually on the flip side, when you're kind of in that chronic fatigue bucket where you've gone into the state where your adrenals are more um, dysfunctional in a sense that they're not producing enough uh, for you, of course, it's also that you can sort of function, then fasting is really great because you allow for that repair to occur. Right. Uh, okay. But but here's the thing. Doing that in conjunction with vagus nerve work and lymphatic work is so important yeah. because fasting is actually a very good way to put you in a parasympathetic state. Right. Which is your uh, rest, digest and restorative state. Right. Yeah. And you can't. And, and really the vagus nerve regulates the inflammatory process in the body. So for healing to occur, you need to have a healthy vagus nerve. If the vagus nerve functionality is, um, is, is, it, you know, is suboptimal or dysfunctional, then your healing process becomes much more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for those people who have a lot of things going on in their systems, um, you know, they have symptoms you know, coming out of their ears, um, the, that's a sign where you need to simplify things. And that's where you need to um, work on the vagus nerve. And that's where, you know, Dr. Stephen Porges, the godfather of the polyvagal theory talks about. Yeah, it's yeah. like when you get into a state of so much stress that you're now no longer in the fight or flight, you're in a freeze mode, right? Where the nervous system is saying, I just, I don't care what input you put in, what great supplements, what good food you give me, just there's no more firing right and this is where he talks about that how you're supposed to click in and out of sympathetic parasympathetic naturally right you shouldn't be dominant in either side it's not that one is bad and one is good Mm -hmm. that you're designed sympathetic nervous system is so important for us for our survival Um, yeah so we want that and that's where you know heart rate variability comes in and so on as a measure of your resilience your ability to flip between back and forth but that the vagus nerve is so critical because the vagus nerve comes out of um, your skull right here, just kind of behind the ear. And then uh, the left and the right, they come down and then they pull 
just around you know where your esophagus starts then it wraps around your esophagus and then it exits to the left with your stomach so when the vagus nerve um when there's a dysfunction in the vagus nerve um or actually one thing i learned which was fascinating was actually when you have low stomach acid that's probably a problem with your vagus nerve because it actually controls stomach acid production so i didn't yeah isn't that well no i did know that i do i I guess that wasn't the mechanism i was connecting with i knew that low stomach acid can be because of stress but um the vagus yeah okay yeah, because cortisol suppresses stomach acid production when you have high stress. But at the same time, we know that if you have any issues with bowel movements, right, constipation, diarrhea, the, your motor migrating complex is controlled by your brainstem and your vagus nerve. So any issues that are that go around there are going to impact it. So if you're so fasting puts you in a parasympathetic state, but if your if your vagus nerve is already in a not so great state, you might not get the benefits of those, uh, you know, the, the benefits of fasting as much, right? Yeah, so it's a yeah. good way to help um, uh, support the, re- the, 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 um, uh, the function of the vagus nerve, but you mm-hmm. also want to work on stress management techniques or vagus stimulation techniques um, um, and, and lymphatic drainage because they go hand in hand, right? The lymph yeah. nodes come, uh, are right next to where the vagus nerve exits. So any challenge with one is going to affect the other. Yeah. Okay. Um, good. Yeah. So I think um, some of the vagus nerve exercises like humming or gargling or, um, you know, even some of the breath work stuff could be helpful. Lymphatic stuff being um, dry brushing, breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, dry brushing, um, even if you can um, doing some uh, trampoline work. <laughs> rebounding. Yes. I would yeah, say rebounding, rebounding is a fantastic way to both activate your vagus nerve and stimulate your lymphatic drainage. Yes, we're all going to be like- such a good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even just jumping up and down, you know, like I get, I I do it with my, um, with my uh, three-year-old, with Didi, um, when we're brushing our teeth. So we just go up and down and we kind of like sing a song just because that's such a great way to move your lymph first thing in the morning and move it at night. Um, Especially if you've had a long day where you're sitting down. She doesn't, she's running around all day, but- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in my case. <laughs> um, but it, I think it's, it's um, and, you know, a really good source of knowledge in that space is Dr. Perry Nicholson, who's, um, you can follow Stop Chasing Pain um, on oh. Instagram and on YouTube. He, he's just phenomenal chiropractor and integrative practitioner um, who, who's, you know, dedicated his life to the lymphatic and vagus nerve Oh, uh, excellent. that's definitely somebody I um, am not familiar with. I'll, I'll put that link in there. Boy, this is going to be lots of links in my show notes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I think the bottom line, as we're thinking about this, like kind of, kind of just bringing this all together and thinking about, you know, if you're considering fasting for any, any situation that you're experiencing, whether that's, you know, you want um, some longevity, some still some regeneration, some, um, weight loss, maybe weight loss and hormone um, balance, hormone balance, all of the reasons that we've spoken about, like starting with the 12 hour fast, kind of moving through that, um, doing this with a practitioner, if it's something that you feel like you want some guidance with, but thinking also about, um, you know, where you are just physically, like, are you moving? Are you not moving? Are you sleeping? Are you not sleeping? All of those factors of lifestyle can 
you know, involved in that, but also thinking you get some movement while you're doing it. Make sure that you're doing some, um, you know, electrolyte replacement, make sure you're getting um, good sleep, make sure you're thinking about um, what else you could, could kind of add into that. Some of the vagus nerve exercises, some of the lymphatic exercises and and really rebounding for like even 10 minutes is a really great way. So it doesn't take a lot of time out of what you're doing in your day. And frankly, if you're fasting, you you don't have to take out time for lunch and, you know, breakfast, get some time for rebounding and vagus exercises. I have, yeah. And I have to say that because, um, you're really spot on because the order you do things matters, right? So mm-hmm. you don't just jump into fasting without cleaning up your diet and sorting out your sleep and improving your movement. Um, you still can get benefit, but I think that the order of things matters in terms of the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And um, and you need to come to you to your um, body and mind um, from a place of love, right? You, because when you resent your body, it breaks down because these are negative messages that are driving inflammation. So really acknowledge the intelligence that's, that there is and give your body the ability to unlock or activate its healing mechanisms and trust that it's there designed to help you survive and thrive. It's not there. It's not designed to break down. It's our actions and we have to take responsibility for it that um can drive it more towards illness or wellness, inflammation or, or you know, or healing, right? That's where it is. And I, and I really believe, I love what Dr. Mindy does because I believe that we need more tools in our toolbox to help um, get rid of chronic disease, right? Mm, that, and fasting is such a phenomenal way to do that. And it's free, right? You know, <laughs> you don't have to pay anything for it. Go get informed, yeah. get informed, right? Mm-hmm. And it gives you that freedom. I love that when she, when I was learning uh, from her, I was thinking, I love when she said it, she said, it gives you the freedom. So let's say you're going on a plane and now you're not stressing, like, I want to eat the crappy food on the plane. And how do I prep? You're like, but because I've trained my fasting muscle, I'm like, I'll just fast. I'll just do a 24 hour fast exactly, and my body will thank me. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. and then, and I have no stress worrying about what food to eat and when to eat it or et cetera. Right, um, right. So it's it's really it comes and that's where it comes from the you know from um, from our ancestors why they used to fasting because fasting brought spiritual calmness you know and it helped mental clarity and it helped you connect with your intuition and your gut and your second brain right so there's there's a there's a the physical benefit and there's the metaphysical benefit that you get from doing uh, all of this. I love that. I definitely love that. I think that's, that's another unspoken part. We could probably do a whole nother podcast on that. I say this all the time. I think there, there's so many little bits and pieces that we can expand out into, you know, a whole other podcast and maybe I'll do a solo cast on Vegas nerve stuff. And yes, um, I would love that because I think that's, that's really helpful for people too. And I like what you're saying too, you know, the information is out there. It's free. I think a lot of the people that we spoke about today, which is, is always my, um, 
my purpose is to give people like really good quality resources because there's a lot of people out there talking about fasting. Not all of them are talking about it in a way that's really safe and healthy. Yes. So the people that we've spoken about today and the, the, the links that I will put into the podcast notes are really about helping people connect with those who have done the deeper research and really are smart about the way they bring people into fasting, um, especially even what we've just talked about today with you. I mean, that's, that's just important information for people to know here, I can do this. I can use it as a tool, but I can also make sure that I do it in a safe way and that I'm not harming myself. The last question I want to ask really quickly, um, if there is a quick answer to this, um, about supplements, (laughs) because you know, in functional medicine, we're lots of us are on supplements. We're taking some supplements for certain things. Um, when you're in a fasting state, you know, there's water soluble supplements that you can still take, but what about your, your fat soluble supplements and how that impacts when you're maybe doing a little bit longer fast? Yes, I think it's a very good question. Again, with supplements, there's not enough research yet in that space to know whether would they break a fast or not? Um, would medication break a fast or not? We, we don't know enough information about that. And that's why when you're on medication and things like that, it's good to work with a professional to know um, whether the fasting is going to impact the absorption of your medication or not. That's a really important question yeah. um, to ask. I think that, um, again, um, measuring to know whether your um, supplements get you out of fast or not, and is there an opportunity to take your supplements, just switch your um, dosing so that it's it's taken during your eating window as opposed to your fasting window. Sure. I think that as a, as a, I don't like to, to set rules because again, it's so individual, but in general, if you're doing the longer fasts, um, like 24 and above, perhaps give your body a break from supplements. Cause what you're really saying to your body is like, I trust in your intelligence. So I'm not going to put anything in there and I'm just going to let you do your thing, yeah. you know? And I think that's a really, and that's what I normally advise my patients. It's like, just take a break. Today yeah. is all about letting, trusting in, in your body's innate ability to really, um, heal and repair because it knows way better than um, us. You know, we're still learning about it and it, it it's better than any other, any supplement you can put in there. Yeah. Great. So really, um, yeah, I think with fat soluble, you'd probably have to wait till you break your fast because then yeah. absorption yeah. is not going to be great, but you could take it probably with an MC, with a spoon of MCT oil and that won't break your fast. But again, you've, you've got to check. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, on that note, I think wrapping it all up in, in terms of thinking about this overall idea of trusting your body and using this fasting process as a way of, of creating this awareness around what your body needs, what your body functions best with is I think a phenomenal way to think about it, right? You're being kind to your body. You're paying attention to it. You're listening. Um, we're not ignoring it and doing things that, that don't serve us. So Amal, awesome. Thank you again for a fantastic, fantastic (laughs) interview conversation. This is so great. And, and I'm going to have you back on again because we just have so much good stuff. I know. And so so much fun information. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Take care. So if you made it this far, I know you were not disappointed and likely found so much information to digest. Please do check out the show notes for all the links mentioned in the podcast. I have literally located all of that information and made it convenient for you in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. 
I do truly feel that finding the right resources for all things health and wellness is so key to doing it the right way. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next podcast in two weeks on energy medicine with Allison Post. Until then, stay well.